nopes, TV nopes, maybe I'll use this audio for a theme song. I honestly think that could work. You just like get some royalty-free music underneath there and have have a little a little fun with it, and you know. Hey, people, let's people and let's it. leave in. I think let's leave in that part too. That's great. Hello, welcome again hi. to this. Mo- oh, hi <laughs> to this month's uh, TV Nopes podcast. A look at terrible internet media criticism using a TV tropes page that shouldn't exist as jumping off point. Today, I am joined by. America's comic on Twitter and also a uh, host of the John Field show on YouTube. Comedian John Field. How you doing? I am. I have been better, but I will keep being better soon. Um, I'm all right. I just am having a I'm, uh, tail end, hopefully, of an anxiety episode. But we don't need to get into that. We should oh, be yeah. talking about something uh, much more... Um, in uh uplifting the uh tv tropes page for triumph the insult comic dog of the will right that fun is that a fun pun is that is that neat right if it was like uh this is good for me to these these uh, nazi troops look good for me to poop on right triumph of the insult comic dog of the will that's fun someone it's uh, a good riff yeah, I should have. Uh, you, you remember that uh, Mike slash show? What was the one that that the Steves, Steve DCA and Steve Whalen, rest in peace. Oh, no jokes allowed. No jokes allowed. That if only I could travel back in time to uh, no jokes allowed and do triumph the insult comic dog of the will. I bet that would have been fun. Uh, it would have killed one day. Yeah. yeah, yeah, one day. I don't know if people uh, at home know, uh, uh, no jokes allowed used to be this, like, it, I mean, you say the word open mic and it makes people roll their eyes, but that's, it yeah, was, that's the thing. Yeah. It was an open and, show more so. Yeah. People, and like anyone yeah. could come in and the only rule is that you're not allowed to do stand up, and, uh, you got six minutes and people would just bring the most insane, uh, just weird, uh, ideas and like 90% of them would flop, but then like, just, it's kind of fun just watching people like um talk to their mom on stage on the yeah. phone or something like that yeah it's weird i mean i don't want to go off on things but 2010 comedy new york scene nothing came from it ever but it was such a weird orbit i mean i think things did but you got joe para talks to you that's a great yeah show. that's good yeah i love joe para talks to you it's uh that's a great show seasons on hbo yeah. max yet um or maybe it, i don't know i should check anyway um, but it, but yeah, no, that was fun. I did a character once. Uh, the two the two I remember off the top of my head were one time I did uh, I because I co-wrote and then produced a short film called uh, Goosey's Fun Partment, and there was a it was a bunch of puppets, and one of the puppets was Gunny the Gun, and so <laughs> I did a ventriloquist act with Gunny the Gun puppet. Um, and the only joke I can remember from that was. Uh, I just flew in from LA and boy, did they not let me on the plane. <laughs> and I did a yeah. bit called Grapeager, which was like Gallagher, except he crushes grapes in his hands after the punchline. And also he's uh, like uh, violently repulsed by grapes. And they make <laughs> him want to vomit. So, and then if only I, if only I had known triumph, the comic dog of the will uh, next time, one day. One day, uh, the new new jo- no jokes lot. Yeah, I shouldn't have called it an open. I I said Mike because like anyone could, uh, 
It was an open mic. Perform. It yeah, was just like, I guess not yeah. like a shitty open mic. Okay, I can cuss, right? Or yeah, oh yeah, you can cuss. Yeah, you can yeah. say fuck, damn. No, no slurs, yeah. ideally, but otherwise, all the all yeah. the uh, all the equitable cuss words are cool. Yeah, I, I, uh, it is. It was. Yeah, I guess technically you could say it's an open mic, but so many open mics are the kind of thing I would never tell someone not performing to go to because they're just yeah you know, workout people just work the, the, out new stuff i remember it being packed every single time i went like yeah it, like yeah and everybody wanted to go and it just uh i mean i i don't want to gas it up too much of a thing but it was just like a really exciting small thing people made and um yeah and then like i don't know julio torres would go there and stuff yeah. like that and then it's uh, the uh, yeah big day hey here and you were saying nothing came yeah well that yeah was, i know i think I, think I just still weird. remember the no jokes allowed when Colin Jost was in the back of the room and he stood up and he said, you're on <laughs> SNL. Um, I, I, it's the only technically, if you want to call it an open mic, which I guess again, cause anyone could sign up to go, I guess that is def- de- definitionally what it is, but it's like the only technically an open mic. I would recommend an audience member attend over 90% of the bar shows they could have gone to instead. Yeah. Um, it's- Comedy is so weird now. Uh, anyways, uh, we, yeah. we were talking about Hitler. I yeah, anyway, so Hitler. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, to, sorry. We were talking about uh, stand-up. That's way too depressing. Let's get back to the Holocaust. Yeah. Well, sorry, pre-Holocaust. But so this is we, as I mentioned, and as uh, regular listeners know, this is uh, we go over a TV tropes page that shouldn't exist. John, you told me you do have a film familiarity with TV tropes, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, for those who don't know, it's, uh, it, it char- it's a wiki that charts different tropes across media. And the, the thing is they they use a lot of like reddity nine gag type speak, you know, where they will be mm-hmm. like, like Joss Whedon talk. Um, even when the, uh, subject in question is perhaps deserves a more sensitive approach as is the case with, uh, most of the pages we cover in this episode, including the one today, Triumph of the Will, the uh, well-known uh, film by German director, groundbreaking female director, Lenny Riefenstahl. I mean, not untrue. Uh, you know, probably could use some additional context, but uh, the TV Tropes page for Triumph of the Will is a pretty short one. We'll have, you know, we we always find ways on this show to um to stretch things out. So worry you not. But uh it's got the introduction to it. And I don't know if you, if you're looking here. I'm looking right at it. Yeah, it's very interesting. The author clearly thinks they're very above it. I mean, like obviously you want to be above the Nazi propaganda. But um the the intro, so this intro paragraph says Triumph of the Will in German it was Triumph de Villains uh, is a 1935. It's Triumph de Insult Comicunt. That's <laughs> the German name for Triumph. The funny thing is, it's all one word. It's Triumph de Insult Comicunt, but it's one word. That's the that works. The um, by Lenny Riefenstahl. I like so it says here, and I'm just taking their word for this because they don't really cite any sources on the historical aspect. But it says it was shown once a year for propaganda purposes in every German cinema until 1945. 
so it doesn't say if you were obligated to go. I wonder, would that be like a date thing? Right. I think, okay. I, my entire, I have like a bunch of half knowledge about Nazi film history. Cause in film school, my roommate was like way too obsessed with like Nazi films in a oh way boy. that yeah. it's, it's okay. It's like, you know, when you're young in your early twenties, you kind of, especially like 2010s, it's like, um, or 2000, um, the 2000s, it's like kind of edgelordy stuff was in, like he wasn't yeah. engaging with it in bad faith, but also uh, I think he was being a little uh, pretentious about it. And just, you know, it's like Nazis are over. We don't have to think about it. Um, what I remember about the Nazi film industry was that it was, uh, I don't want to use the word socialized, but it was like state sponsored. Um, and I think a really important fact about it that resonates with me a lot. And I think is just like a small key to kind of understanding, uh, both how Nazis view power and just like power in general is that, um, in the dwindling days of the Nazi regime, every public service got cut except for their film industry. They kept it at full thing. They kept, I think partially because, uh, Nazis are so big on projection of power and they don't really yeah. have any cards up their sleeves, uh, beyond that. Um, I don't think it was mandatory and I understand that, um, I might be wrong here, but I think ticket prices, like their films were really successful. People would go to the theaters a yeah, lot yeah. and it's like, anyone else uh any other industry is any other else in the world um the mass medium of the time the call me annoying but the tiktok of its time sure. was um uh film and um yeah. sorry yeah. i'm just imagaging now like a like a 14 Hitler. year old being like bum 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 <laughs> and they're pointing to like a thing that says like you know who lost us world war one bum 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 like the jews bum 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 you know <laughs> pointing to like the different stuff i mean you don't have to imagine it there's hitler's on there's nazi the next hitler's on tiktok probably yeah. oh, and then geez. the next person will kill hitler the next um, hitler's the ne yeah you just it's the guy uh doing p bad paintings so you have to yeah. look out for him that's i mean it is yeah i i so i mean i i saw triumph of the world years ago in school in college not like you know that blockbuster and hey what's would be good tonight obviously um it is the thing you were saying about sort of edgy thing is i do yeah, there's definitely and unfortunately you still see it to this day on twitter constantly mm. and it's people make it their whole thing which is sort of just like sean sure well we are <laughs> uh but i mean when you see uh you see uh, the sort of thing where people um kind of get into their head this uh i would say also sort of a greenwaldian contrarianism perhaps yeah. where yeah. they sort of are like okay well the there are major problems with the current sort of regime let's say not using regime in like you know in a pretty yeah. wide uh use of the word and they're like oh well that's so secure and unmovable that like it's just important to be edgy otherwise like i actually remember i yeah. saw some i don't even know i need to spend less time on twitter i'm trying to but i saw some person saying you know in some context of like 
uh, oh, people don't trust Einstein or people wouldn't trust Einstein because he was a scientist. And now they don't trust the science, you know, which is its own yeah. platitude, yada, yada. But then someone like responding, like the difference is Einstein was going against the experts of his day. And it's like, first off, I don't think that's necessarily true. Second off, it's very so, revealing yeah. to see someone say that truth is inherently linked to being in contradiction to the, yeah. you know, common, the most common expert opinion when the actual truth is that truth is not synonymous with the current expert opinion, but it's also even less likely to just be whatever doesn't comport with that. Right. Because you see, but you sort of see that with the edgy sort of thing where they're just like, well, everyone agrees that Nazis are bad. So isn't it really subversive to be like, what if Nazis are good? And it's like, you know, every, everyone agrees that like arsenic is bad, but that, do, I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean. I, I have a couple of places to go with that because I mean, you bringing up arsenic is a good example is it's um, I think the nature, there's a lot of online contrarians. I think Glenn Greenwald is a good example of that. And the contrarianism always has a shape. And I think um, a lot of it is upsetting because there's no one on, people are saying the earth is flat. And that's like an upsetting point of view, but there's no one, there's no organized uh, group saying that grapes don't exist or that yeah. arsenic is good. There some people saying that some poisons should be taken. Yeah. You know, you, I mean, you, you do have people, you, you do have the people who say you should drink your pee. So I'm not, I'm not going to say, I bet you can well, find. Everyone should drink pee. I don't know what's wrong that's with that. True. Drinking pee is delicious. Well, I mean, uh, if it's like a fetish thing, that's one thing yeah. for health reasons. I, I, I Googled pee. pro arsenic just to see if there are any yeah. pro arsenic groups. All right. Well, if you, if you, also, there's probably a doctor listening is like, well, actually, arsenic is in low dosage. And like you do. Arsenic. Yeah, because you look it up and you literally have someone say like some forms of arsenic are used as medicine. And it's like, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there'd be the person if you tried to just say arsenic is poison. They'd be like, actually, it's like, it's like, OK, yeah, sure. Um, which is like, I mean, that's the sort of thing that you see with like uh, the you know, sorry, we're, we're let, we'll get to the back to the page because now we're yeah. just going through. I think, I think what I kind of want to get to is like something I've like the Trump. I think we've all grown a lot and learned how to recognize toxic, shitty people uh, during the Trump administration. Something I've had really hard time internalizing, but like I feel like I can trust this is like people like the Twitter contrarians like the Glenn Greenwald. They're really that superficial in the fact that they're just being knee-jerk contrarians and there's like no, there's no master plan behind all their crap. Yeah. It's just like, they're just shallow. Like I've had a friend I had a falling out with where they would act selfish in comic book ways, like in ways yeah. that would be poorly written if it was a movie. And it took me a while to realize it's just like, oh, some people just have nothing underneath it all. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just think it's, I think it's, some people, I think people, and I'm not going to say I don't fall into this ever with some, in some vectors, because of course it's something people need to be very careful about. Cause I do, I mean, I find myself, it's good, I think, to try and when you can reevaluate stuff, we'll get back to yeah. triumph of the will, but to give like another, like less whatever example, like I legit during the primary thought that Biden to, he's clearly, as they say, lost a step. But I thought he like had like full blown dementia. And then I watched mm. the debate between him and Sanders. I didn't think that was going to make the difference when it was just the two yeah. of them because I like it had just been 
the way it had gone and the way polling was going, I was like, there's almost no way it makes a difference. But I was like, but mate, but like, but I genuinely was like, but when he's just out there for an hour and a half or two hours with Santa, like people will have to see that. Like he clearly, I watched it. I was like, this is a good learning moment because I, without even really realizing and thinking I was above this was being shared just clips, which gave a certain narrative. And this isn't supposed to be like a pro Biden thing, but it's just like, no, Oh, I clearly like, it's not like if I had seen a different mix of clips, I would have been like, actually, I'm going to support Biden over Bernie in the primary. It wasn't just a matter of like, Oh, I think, but I, I legit was like seeing clips that were presented to me that I didn't even necessarily search out that came across my Twitter feed where I 100% believed that it was going to be undeniable when you watch that debate and not that it would necessarily change, but that like, oh man, Biden, he is, cannot even string a sentence together and Sanders is so coherent. And then like you watch it and I just got the sense of like, yeah, obviously he flubs some words. Sanders flubs some words. I was like, oh, I really was like, that was like a learning moment. I was like, I need to, be able to take a step back and people need to, it's not easy. Like it's, no. it's important. I think to try and share examples where you're like, look, I realize that I was staking a position incorrectly because you kind of have to, if you want, and I'll sometimes get annoyed with people who actually a lot of times, which is another reason I should probably stay off Twitter where like, I, Oh God. All right. We're, we're going to move on. But as, yeah. The, the current thing, because Breyer finally announced that he's stepping down, and I legit mm. saw a bunch of people spring in and were like, well, Biden's going to hold that seat open to try and get votes for the midterm and lose the midterms, and the seat's going to be filled by Trump. And it's like, look, you don't have to like him, but just like when that doesn't happen, and hey, if that happens, I'll eat crow. When that doesn't yeah. happen, and they do, admittedly, the bare minimum and fill that seat with someone who will, you know – have their own terrible pro cop opinion still, but generally yeah, yeah. rule in a liberal, not reactionary way. Like at least just say, wow. Okay. The thing that I did, I was wrong. I had this impression of a thing I was certain about, and that doesn't mean that I'm wrong about everything, but clearly yeah. I should reevaluate anyway. Triumph of the will. Yeah. Um, which that's not you to be cons- construed as like, see, it's so great. He, you know, he's going to appoint, uh, Whatever, Hitler? whatever, uh, Hitler. <laughs> yeah. He's going to appoint Hitler, <laughs> Judge Hitler. I mean, look, compared to uh, some of the people who Trump put on, uh, good, good. Yeah. I think like I, um, uh, social media, we have this th- idea that like, oh, I should just get off social media, but we can't. It's intertwined with our personal life. Like, I deleted my yeah. Facebook and Instagram, and it seriously punished my social life. Uh, I just use Twitter, um, and it's kind of um, I have panic and anxiety issues and Twitter is horrible for that. And Same. so I have um, comic book lengths worth of um, things I add to my browser to avoid. Uh, I mean, Twitter intentionally uses uh, casino based social engineering techniques yeah. to like get us hooked on the platform. Part of it's panic. So um, I use up my entire two. Anytime somebody says something that's like shock annoying, you know, like the usual Twitter antagonists on both sides yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who are just like, I mean, the other day I saw somebody just like uh, somebody I agree with. And it's just that tone of like, if you did that, then I'm like, you're muted immediately. Yeah. Um, I have, I'm up to nearly the limit of all 200 words I can have uh, muted. And a lot of it's stuff like, uh, 
I hate because if somebody's saying that they're probably saying something crappy yeah. and also um uh i can't see anyone's uh, quote retweets i just see people's stuff and uh i can only see 10 tweets at a time and that's oh, wow. still like i still get that panicky stuff but also i think it lets you see like there's like a move there's a move of information that's very um i think the last two elections for uh the national election and the new york city election which i was very plugged into yeah uh, helped me show you that helped show me that all these hot take people were uh, wrong a lot of the times. And I think yeah. that's something that helped me walk away from it. And it's such a distortion machine. And it's kind of hard to, it's where information is nowadays. So it's kind of hard to, it, it takes so much mental energy to read what's happening between the headlines and half the time you're wrong or yeah. read what's happening between the tweets. And, and there's um, also this, I think there's also this sense, and this I know for me is very difficult with my anxiety disorder where there's this sense that i need to try and remind myself that like it doesn't actually help anyone to be hyper informed and mm -mm. also there's sort of this sense that when i i have this bad habit that i'm trying to break when i have one of my anxiety triggers gets set off mm -hmm. i'll sometimes keep kind of poking that tooth and reading stuff that will reinforce it and I think it's yeah. bad. And it's, it's, I had a therapist tell me once, and I do think this is genuinely good advice. And folks, don't worry, we're getting a triumph of the will. <laughs> um, is because uh, I, I had a therapist who I actually liked more than her as like a per, like in moment to moment interactions where I just sort of like, not that one was better, but her sort of mannerisms. But her approach, the first one's approach was like more CBT based and was very much about like, yeah. okay, we're going to take those five anxieties you're talking about and we're going to dig into them and we're going to worst case scenario them and we're going to focus on them and you're going to have to think about these. And then this other therapist who I went to, who was just like, I don't really think that's helpful. When you have a thought, stop and say, is this thought helpful to me? Yeah. And if it's not helpful, than try to think about something else. And that's not necessarily always easy because the problem no. is the, the, the thing my brain does about my anxiety triggers is I set aside, I, I sort of am able to come to a conclusion that goes, okay, here's the conclusion to this. That's fine. It's okay. And then it's as soon as though I settle it down, there's this spring that goes off that goes, no, wait a minute you got to open that back up or else it can get yeah. you whatever it is. And that's not good. That's not helpful. And so it's, you know, trying to fight that, trying to fight that without drinking too much. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, those are the things to do. Trying to fight that by watching triumph of the will triumph of the insult comic dog of the will. You know, this, something to bring it back to triumph of the will. Uh, yeah. yes, I think let's do this is me squeezing blood out of stone about my film knowledge about Nazis. Um, well, first of all, like, Another thing about Nazi cinema is like all fascist cinema is it can't have an original idea. It's kind of like all the chants you hear from MAGA people are uh, ripped off from left wing people like my body, my choice. Mm -hmm. I can't breathe. Um, the Nazi cinema would doggedly chase. Um, uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I've seen a couple of their like class. They didn't do all documentaries. They did like classically Hollywood films. Yeah. And 
they're uh so they did baron von uh, von munchausen yeah. which was their attempt to have you seen about it or uh you just know the story no or? i'm getting that confused with something what's the monty python or the terry gilliam thing that is exactly the same thing uh oh, same wait. story oh okay yeah poorly told uh this one with all the fantastic elements in it and but it's their version of wizard of oz it's just like we need a oh, fantastic okay. story we're gonna do Wizard of Oz, and I watched it, and I was like ten minutes in, and a character in blackface showed up, and I'm like, "That's offensive! This Nazi film has blackface in it." Oh my god! Look, let's draw the line somewhere, yeah. guys. Come oh, on! I knew I couldn't trust those Nazis. Um, it is really and, funny to to imagine yeah. like the Nazis having like some line if they were just trying to be like you know, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's uh. <laughs> Let's not try and, um, you know, look, Jews ruined world, you know, made us lose World War One. But it's not about individual Jews, right? It's their culture. I'm not saying like the people <laughs> trying to do like, I'm not saying that like a Jew couldn't be okay to hang out with. I'm just saying that like overall their music and their, uh, you know, that's, I, I was, I was reading about, the German opera Freikugel, or I don't know if it's the opera, I think it's called the Freikugel and the bullets that never miss that the mm. devil gives some guy, except the devil gets to pick the target in the last bullet. And let me tell you, I'd be like opera. With that. It does. I kind of <laughs> want to see it now. I, I, uh, yeah. I got it's It's very, very heady. I got it because there's an attack in Shin Megami Tensei five called Freikugel. And I was mm. like, what does that mean? And I looked it up and it's the Freikugel and or the, the bullets that like i just said in the opera that the devil which like if you're gonna deal just imagine being like you're like ah oh, really do i get like a say on what that last bullet's target will be and the devil's like <laughs> no man I'm just saying you're like oh but can like can you tell me can you give me like three options that it'll be i still want to be worrying about this the whole time till i get to that last bullet right um the try so I yeah I saw Triumph of the World this so this says uh this is an interesting thing that the the intro here says is moreover the extent that Triumph of the Will continues to be regarded as an innovative and groundbreaking film has its roots in a concerted effort by the Nazis to promote the film as an ideal contrast to various forms of expression the Nazis disapproved of I I this is the interesting thing to me there is this sort of supposition that says the extent that Triumph of the Will continues to be regarded as an innovative and groundbreaking film has its roots in the concerted effort by the Nazis. That seems to imply that, like... My... I can tell you what it means. Well, Sorry. no, I, I don't yeah. doubt that it's true, yeah. internally especially, and externally, because there was a time when people, you know, in the 30s, a lot of people in America were like, we, whatever, it's another country, they do this stuff. Uh, Dan Dan Olson. I mean, they didn't really. There's a Dan Olson video on uh, on YouTube, folding ideas um, video on Triumph. Of the yeah, Will. I just I watched the uh, NFT one recently. That's yeah, very good. He uh, part of what he uh, argues is that the idea that Triumph of the Will is good is Nazi propaganda. It's yeah. that in itself is Nazi propaganda, and um, like they are early to use a lot of techniques but also uh they didn't act and it's weird because like grandeur and greatness um being expressed in these ways is stuff that's used in a lot of like film gra uh, grammar yeah. to this day i mean you see it in the tropes um i'm always hesitant to uh over cautious degree 
of like giving Nazis their due. You know what I mean? Oh no, definitely. I mean, yeah. you see the people who want to like imagine that like, uh, oh, what was the? Oh, there was some clip someone pulled of some like Rogan thing where Rogan, where Rogan was talking to some guy who was talking about like the uh, I forget who I wish I could credit who said it, but it was like Rogan was talking to some guy talking about like Nazis uh, research into occult stuff and them trying hmm. to like I don't know find the site of the third impact at like Antarctica or whatever, like Evangelion mm. or something. And Rogan being like, wow, can you imagine what if they kept going with that stuff? What do you think would have happened? And the person <laughs> tweeting, it was like nothing. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> like, cause magic's not real. No. Like, um, one thing yeah, I, I want to add that's yeah. a context. I think people don't understand, um, silent film culturally and what it means like uh the joke i always have about film school is like film history is uh movies were invented by charlie chaplin and then star wars and then now like that's yeah, how yeah, yeah. uh it is um i think it's important to note that uh the time between the first film invented and the end of sound film is the exact same time frame as the first star wars movie to ever come out and today and it might be off by a couple of years i would always use that as an I example if anything it's it's probably it's probably more time now is passed in star wars right uh it's it would be uh, 1895 to 1927 let's just see what year that is sure uh, 32 so 2022 math <laughs> uh take away 32 so that would be 1990 i was a little off by that i'm sorry about that um but yeah, so like Silence of the Lambs uh, would have been the first like film ever made. And that brings us to today. I mean, think about how much film has changed in those years. I mean, you barely saw CGI in films from then. And now all movies are all CGI. Yeah, um, they couldn't and, they couldn't even imagine one Spider-Man in a movie back then. No. And now, <laughs> now you've got three, three, three Spider-Men. It's insane. Uh, and something really important is... Um, uh, Film used to be called the international language because everyone can watch a silent film, right? Yeah. Everyone can yeah, understand yeah. Charlie Chaplin. That's why he was the first big international star. You don't have to translate it. You just change the cards. He was the, the sigh of his time. Yeah. And that ended in 27 and silent films ended almost immediately. I mean, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny both how like silent films kind of continued a little bit, but also all the studios immediately. We've seen rapid technology change. Like, yeah. Like, something's gone the second it's it's in the foot's in the door uh that was 27 this movie came out uh 1935 so less less than 10 years after um the end of the international language um i think that's very important uh to understand the movie and also with the advent of sound it's kind of funny like there's a pretentious thing that you'll hear in film school is like when film ended when silent film ended film died and a new medium came in because yeah. there's all new grammar and new ways to shoot it's way more expensive to shoot these films uh and you have to have them in studios not in the case of this documentary uh which was all um uh, uh looped sound shot. i think yeah shot on site yeah shot on site yeah um but like seven years down the line uh the film industries of each country all of a sudden became these walled off uh just closed off fortresses yeah. and very isolationist. Um, I don't think it's an entire, it's so not fair to like say that 
um, I think is a parallel, instead of saying like, that's a contributing factor, I, I have a speech impediment, so I can't say the word. No, I think it's a parallel fine. to yeah, yeah. what was happening to, um, was happening in international cinema was also happening in the governments uh, where people were just becoming more isolationist and kind yeah. of, uh, driven off, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, that is interesting because the, it, it's interesting now also that movies have almost, and people can argue about how good it is, I guess, but movies have yeah. almost one have now looped around to almost become not that American movies have always been this big cultural export, but now it's, it's, it's almost at this point, right. Where you have, um, movies like, uh, Pacific Rim and like Warcraft mm. that get a sequel because they do well in China, yeah. which, which is kind of fascinating to me. Pacific Rim, I get Warcraft. I like, didn't understand that movie in English. And it wasn't very <laughs> it wasn't very interesting to me. And I have like a passing familiarity with Warcraft. Like I've played it mm-hmm. here and there, and I know like I had no clue it even came out. I think I remember seeing it on trailers, and I had no clue it even got like a, a sequel or anything. To me, it yeah. was one of the. I don't think the sequels come out yet, but I think it got greenlit because it did well in China. But like I, I saw it, and I was like, it's not even like fun bad. It's just like, you're like, this is just like boring. What are you talking about that? You're like, it's the kind of thing where you're like, how did this do so well when like the first 20 minutes is like, and then Balthazar, the orc led his (laughs) troops to defeat against the humankind and the horde regrouped. And you're like, what? This is like the part in the Bible where they're like, and then F L Fazar begeth talk, begeth, whatever. I could imagine it's a language thing, like uh, where like intertitles where you can just like replace the titles. It's yeah. it's something you can dub anything on top of. You can dub any ideology yeah. on top of, especially if you want to play it in China. It can just be a different tone. Yeah. And also and then Blackthorn, um, the orc, told the great people of Mao's revolution and they gathered against. The- <laughs> yeah. Another thing about uh, international film in the past 20 years or so is um, you can kind of track uh, how Marvel movies uh, how Disney was chased. It's like, it's weird where film supposedly is capturing like the hearts of the ideology of the time, but it's also the economics is the ideology is not, it's not magical. Um, a good example is Marvel films after every Marvel movie is about nine 11. There's I, I, that's, I will die arguing that like they're all, they, they all use nine 11 imagery up until um, uh, like, as soon as close as the uh, uh, last um, Avengers movie, where what, what about uh, Guardians two? Yeah, I haven't seen it. I think Guardians are is one of the rare exceptions. Uh, I th- Guardians obviously. one, I would actually yeah. agree, maybe does because that has the uh, the planet being attacked at the end, yeah. the city. Guardians it's, two, I think. Uh, com- common nine eleven like imagery is like the purple laser shooting into the sky is. Yeah is kind of like a, a, a pretentious word alert like Kanyan like thing i think a big one is that you would see in the earlier movies is people falling from a high distance and suddenly being saved that's the falling mm. man photo yeah but yeah, the yeah. falling man photo uh impeded and um you would have a lot more explicit 9-11 especially iron man i mean iron man's the iraq war i mean that's yeah it's the iraq war the movie um and the earlier films were more patriotic and more um flags american flags and then by the time you get to iron man 3 
that's when Disney really aggressively started going to the international markets. And then that's where you see uh, movies that are very suspicious of American imperialism because yeah. we love American imperialism, but you know who really doesn't like it is everyone else in the world. So you sell them uh, anti-American, well, let's say anti-imperialist, anti-American imperialist uh, sentiments uh, in movies like Civil War. Um, yeah, which is, I mean, which is fascinating, right? Because people are still, you know, it's it's, it's interesting the way that people talk about the ideologies of Marvel films because I, yeah. I, I, some number of them, and I don't think it's all of them because it does differ. Some, I, some of them definitely got the, uh, you know, the U.S. Army stamp of approval where the yeah. army gets to look at the script and be like, "All right, sure." Um, like I think Captain Marvel did because I know there was a whole thing where they were like doing commercials with the Air Force, but like some of them don't. But like, yeah. it's it's a little frustrating because I think sometimes people try and make the criticisms and it's definitely, there's definitely a lot of it there that's worthwhile. I mean, it's because a lot of times, right, it's sort of like, well, we need to do the good imperialism to stop the bad yeah. imperialism, which is, yeah. you know, which there's valid criticisms that, but that's sometimes people get so like, I think they get like a little too, uh, sort of reflexive about it like i actually think i think it's fine it's probably one of the best marvel movies while also i think black panther i think is one of the best marvel movies while yeah. also kind of being overrated just because i think it was sort of held up as like wow this marvel movie is like just and i like hey i watched like all of the first three phases like i was locked yeah. in i was paying my dues um I, I got the my summons, my jury summons every three months. And I was like, all right, I'll show up to the theater following the law, you know, to see the new the new Marvel movie. And like, I think the um, the thing that people try and say about Black Panther, where they're like, uh, actually, Black Panther is about, uh, you know, a CIA agent helping overthrow, uh, you know, the legitimate government of an African country. It's like. All right, that's cute to say as like a bit, but like, yeah, that's not. It really... looks great on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, oh well, actually, Killmonger had a point. It's like if you want to be upset, I mean, the thing, my my hot Black Panther take that I don't think I've seen as much that I think that maybe I'm reading too much into and giving too much credit, but I think at least tracks for me because the big thing people say about Black Panther spoilers for Black Panther is uh, I've seen, I saw people at the time say, you know, oh, it's, they make Killmonger like he's, he seems too correct. And so then they make him just start strangling the, whoever, the people in charge of the flowers that make people the Black Panther. He like has yeah, his yeah, vision. Yeah. And I, the way I, and again, maybe I'm giving it too much credit. I don't know. The way I think I kind of see it, that to me at least does work is he goes because he he you know throws uh Chadwick Boseman R.I.P. off like the waterfall and he goes to take the flower and he has the vision and whereas when Chadwick Boseman has a vision mm -hmm. he's in like the savannah and he sees the other the previous king his father and he's like has this connection when uh Killmonger has the vision he's in the apartment and I think and then he wakes up and that's when he's like, burn it down. Forget it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think it's 
to me at least, I kind of like that. Cause I'm like, this is this tragic thing where because he was taken away and had this taken from him, he can't, he lost something he can't get back. Even when he goes to have, it's the moment when he goes to have the vision and he's not in the Savannah talking to the previous ancestors, he's still locked in the apartment yeah. in Oakland or whatever that he realizes and we becomes like burn it down is he realizes like, Oh, I thought I could get back what they took from me, but actually they took it away from me forever. And there's something yeah. I can never get back. That being said, then it kind of devolves into an act three CGI glob mess with two, yeah. which is the, the big Marvel crime to me is where they always, uh, the third act is always just like, what if, you know, Iron Man we finished fought, this movie. <laughs> yeah. What if Iron Man fought blue Iron Man? Yeah. <laughs> or like, what if Spider-Man fought yellow Spider-Man? That's like so many of the third. You're just like, okay, I guess it'd go with little something like that. But um, I think, I think my feelings on like Black Panther, like the film school opinion is yeah. like, um, if you look historically at like 1950s films, I freaking love melodramas and I yeah, came across them. Yeah, yeah. um, uh, uh, is my favorite medium. Like, I, and I think it's just a genre. And like, I came across criticism that made so much sense. I don't know really why I haven't seen it before. Um, that the women's films, the so-called women's films of the melodramas, um, they're dialectical to be pretentious to use like a stupid word, yeah, yeah. marrying two opposite ideas, each other and taking the tensions of the culture that exists right now or back then and uh, stacking them against each other. So uh, Betty Hutton would be the loud mouth. I like to spit and I don't need a man to da, da, da. And then she's married at the end. So yeah, yeah, yeah. you get both tensions of the culture is sure. The lesson we're getting at the end of the film is um, uh, that women should marry. And, uh, but also you're giving women space to explore things well outside of what the gender norms were yeah, of its yeah. time. And like, uh, I like, I think people can be a little literal and bad with media literacy. We're like, if you have a bad character represent a bad ideology, but they're as badass and sexy yeah. as Michael B. Jordan, it's not as it's not the CIA secretly trying to get you to hate anti-imperialism like people walk out of that it's a dialectic it's taking two opposite ideas yeah marrying with them with each other and then having them beat the crap out of each other in front of a bad cgi thing and i think that's what made the movie dynamic i think that um something i'm really worried about in like radical left spaces and it's something i've kind of come out of in like 10 years of this crap i used to live with just the worst roommates and i think sometimes when you see me like stuff critical of leftist people on Twitter, I'm really just subtweeting crappy roommates I used to have. Or I mean, it's as you get because I think you get more into because it's one thing I was saying. Yeah. It's like one thing when you see like Matt Walsh, not the the uh, the one from Veep. I was having a conversation with someone earlier. I know what you're today. talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And where you're just like, there's almost no point in trying to engage with someone who's just like, no. you know, oh, maybe the real climate change is our moral climates changing by letting kids be trans or whatever. And yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's almost no point to trying to engage with a person like that. Whereas when you no. see someone who, you know, like, uh, it's, and this is, you know, apologies, if people feel differently, but when you see someone who's like, uh, I don't know, like I saw someone. I was going to say Sean in a shitty tone again. Sure, but we already, we already, already yeah, get yeah. too straight. But sure. like, but like, okay, there was a, uh, there's this one that annoys me recently and sorry to go off on this or whatever. No, no, no. But I see this thing where 
like people, there's just like the recurring thing I see that really bothers me, even though like, you know, established principles. I think there are all, I could list forever all the ways the Democrats are terrible. If you want to be upset about the fact that they don't have the Senate, you can easily look at the fact that there were like three winnable seats that they totally bungled where they hire these consultants who they went to college with who don't know what they're doing and they just don't care about winning these races in a meaningful way and the candidates are terrible. All sorts of things you can do and say. But like there's this like recurring thing that I see where people are like, all people are going to remember is that they got this many checks under Trump and they got nothing under Biden. It's like, okay, but what do you mean by that? Do you mean that you are unaware that the Democrats in Congress pushed for these checks? Or do you mean the average voter is unaware and you are repeating that versus trying to let people know that? Because I do think the latter is true. I think most people just pay attention to the president is. But the problem with that is if you're saying, like people don't want to follow that thought to the end. Because if you want to say, look, the Democrats should be aware that people are just going to pay attention to the president is, they want to say, so that's why the Democrats should have delivered checks under Trump and should deliver increasing checks forever for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. When really, if you want to follow that logic, that's why the Democrats should have let the economy completely collapse under Trump, knowing that that would be who got the credit right. and then sweep and then pass a bunch of stuff later. And it's just frustrating to be like someone because it's it's good to be mad at them when they're bad, but it's frustrating to me to be mad at them when they did something good that was politically disadvantageous. You know what I mean? Like, so sorry. That's like, so I see stuff like that and I'm just like, I I don't, I, I I like agree with the first principles people have. And then, um, and I mean, you talked about like Reggie, Reggie's Reggie's calling me out. Reggie is calling me out because I'm going off on this and I need to not, this is the kind of thing I said, we're supposed to be talking about triumph of the will. I think the last thing I want to add is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think That's sometimes true. people um, uh, will look at things in this bracket of uh, this film is radical or this film is uh, setting up the status quo. I think 90% of all media does both at the same time. Uh, it's just, that's how media and culture works is yeah. we're in a progressive, well, at least um, power, I don't want to sound optimistic. I feel like I'm answering to the Twitter cop of my head, but uh, power has a tendency to uh, gradually drift, you know, towards the hands of more people. I hope. ATCAB, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But like, um, you know, like you see it, if you just watch film history, like you see things are still annoyingly racist in movies to this day, but right. at least you have a black sit. Well, black cinema has been around since the beginning, but you know what I mean? Like, um, yeah. And uh, to bring it back to triumph of the will. Um, yes. Yeah. I Look, think no one another- has seen Germans on film before. Yeah. Ever. Uh, yeah. I think this is their second propaganda film. And also um, they paint, they had to paint, uh, they had to paint Greeks for the cabinet of Dr. Caligari to make them look like Germans. <laughs> that's that, when you want you want a german on camera yeah. you gotta paint a greek yeah it's it's weird it's how film works it's just the yeah. lenses don't really pick it up um i think one last thing is that what i understand from the dan olson video is that at this point when this film was made 
it's all projection. It's all a flex. Uh, the Nazi party Literally. was in shambles and their crap wasn't together. So they made this propaganda film to do what Nazis do, which is give the illusion of power and give the illusion of coherence and, you know, the illusion of answers. And so like um, the kind of, I think they say it in this blurb is our image. When you close your eyes and you see Nazis, our image of Nazis are this, is this video. It's the goose stepping. I say the word goose stepping and you know exactly what the heck I'm yeah. you're thinking of the exact same three film frames. Probably. Which is funny because goose yeah. stepping sounds like you would sort of be doing like little tiptoes and trying to pinch the ass yeah. of the person in front of you. Right. That's yeah. goose stepping. You're trying to step yeah. up to pinch their ass like goosing. Yeah. You ever heard of goosing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. You were sort of you looking. I didn't know if you're trying to figure out what I was doing with my finger. I was no, like, my glasses aren't on. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I can oh, see okay. It. I see. You, yeah. People at home can't see it, but I'm, I've got my my thumb and my index finger, and I'm I'm pinching an imaginary mm. ass consensually. Consensually, yeah, Con- yeah. But uh, the uh, uh, yeah. imaginary ass, real consent. Um, yeah. No, I I definitely I I see that, and that's um. The, the, let's, let's, let's start, let's go down the tropes real quick. Yeah. There's not too many of them. Uh, the, this is the kind, this is exactly the kind of thing. This first one, why I started the podcast, because the first trope is badass army. And it's yeah. like, you know, you didn't have, you could have said something else. Like, I, I get that they're saying that's presenting a badass army. Like, that's <laughs> like the point is it's supposed to be presenting a badass army, but it's like funny that you open this up and like the first example of the trope like on the trope page is like the survey core with an attack on Titan, which to be fair, you could uh-huh. argue there's supposed to be some resonance there. I mean, so, there is, I mean, I don't know. Do you watch attack on Titan? I have not seen an anime in at least 15 years. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> I no, feel attack- bad. I'm sorry. No, that's you shouldn't. Yeah. Why didn't you watch all of attack on Titan before? Cause it's only, I'm I think I watched now. it with Alex Patak. Uh, that makes sense. I have also before he moved attack to a Titan. place that will take me 30 minutes by bus to get there. So I have never yeah. seen them since COVID. I have also watched yeah. attack on Titan with Alex Patak. I, um, I'm catching up now. My, my tagline for attack on Titan is plotting an action. So good. You're willing to overlook the fact it's wildly anti-Semitic. <laughs> it is, it is interesting. It's, I, I am curious how exactly it sells down. I, it's really tough. I can't imagine it sort of overcoming that at this point with how deep it's dug in. It gets to, without uh, spoiling too much, it's at best, I think, and given the author's proclivities of being like a Japanese nationalist, I don't think he necessarily got, quote, got mm. a hand it to him. But uh, the <laughs> best you could give it is it is a story about like the destructive cycles of war that is appropriating nazi and jewish imagery and that's yeah. that's the best and that's not great because if you want your story to be like you know wow what a shame these two sides can't just get together and figure it out and it's like well i don't know how uh Equal says we've got the next trope. We've got balcony speech. Hitler does a few of these. I I think I think like, uh, I mean, just glancing at these ones that. um, Yeah, it jumps out. We don't need to go through. Yeah, well, it's like this movie. I mean, it's weird because like I don't have the language for it because it's just like I just know this passively through film school. Like I've only seen clips of it. 
Um, but this did start a lot of tropes, like our entire language of a bad guy is or yeah. a person who's imposing of power is comes from like they have the Hitler cam, which is um, as one of the tropes, which is a lower angle, uh, yeah. you know, like someone shooting up to make them look even taller and imposing um, uh, balcony speech like Hitler. I mean, a lot of other dictators have done uh, balcony speeches, but like, you know. I say the word balcony speech and Hitler, you're seeing in your head again, like yeah, goose stepping, yeah, yeah. you're seeing the exact angle. Um, the other one is, um, excuse me, million mook March, which is uh, large shots of armies just marching in formation that comes from this movie. And a couple other ones here are kind of just, you know, taking the piss out of Nazis, like those wacky Nazis. But um, yeah, I mean, what the, the one it says, those wacky Nazis, it says, uh, this trope is largely see here's the thing about that one though because this those yeah. wacky nazis i assume is meant to be stuff like you know the donald duck defure's face cartoon right where it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. examples of nazis being portrayed or like okay it's like you go to the trope page and it shows the nazis from uh, uh blues brothers mm. right so it's like you look at these and you're like okay you know film live action uh i haven't heard of a bunch of this um okay maybe it's not what i thought it was because some i guess it's just showing um examples that are like of anywhere that nazis appear because i i figured the joke would be like i figured the trope would be like nazis um you know, they have the example of that Mitchell and Webb look, like the very first sketch, yeah. I think, with the Are We the Baddies of like Nazis being goofy and the butt of the joke. Whereas, like, that doesn't seem to be the example here. It says it's a matter of perspective. And it's like, I mean, not really. The film mm. is giving you, like, it, there is no reading of the film where the Nazis are being portrayed as absurd, right? Like, I mean, I guess you could say in the set, I mean, it says, the Nazis portrayed themselves as sane and reasonable, but we, the audience, now know what they said and what they meant conflicted with each other. And Do so we? All... some people... <laughs> That's yeah. the thing that, like, it's like this... It, this feels very written in an era where... With the assumption that no one would think the Nazis were right, which I, I, I don't know to what degree exactly. I, I One of the things I'd be moaned about the modern like social media internet is that because there are now like four websites, everyone is on yeah. as opposed to how it used to be. It, like there used to be Nazis on the internet, but they just hung out on Nazi websites and no one would see them, right? Like you were aware of Nazi websites existing, like Stormfront mm-hmm. or whatever. You knew they existed, but you didn't really go there unless you were trying to like, unless you were either you know, a Nazi, or you were like, oh man, I bet it'd be wacky to go to the Nazi website. Like I'm a contrarian teenager. I'm going to see what the Nazis are doing. But it was, but now they're just, everyone's in the same place. And it, it is wild to see this written, which maybe this was written in like 2005. It reads very 2005 to be like, but now right. we all know that the Nazis were wrong and bad. When like, you, I mean, you have, it's maybe, I don't know if it's the, the most serious example it might be a quote wacky nazis example but you have like candace owens a popular conservative relatively mainstream commentator who gets to interview the former president who gives who gives a talk where she's like oh you know 
Hitler would have been fine if he just kept to his own country. And you're like, I don't know. There's not really a, a good way to read that. <laughs> like, there's not really a way that you're like, oh, right. well, here's how that's a fine thing to say. And like, I don't know that there's a lot of people who clearly believe some version of that or who just don't, who who just sort of reflexively, the same way that you get, oh, this, this is to be the most political online episode. Hope. I mean, it's no the Nazis. Lies. You might as well That's talk true. about it. That's a know? good point. Yeah. I mean, it's the sort of thing where like commentators like Ben Shapiro, the difference right. between someone like Ben Shapiro and someone like uh, Nick Nicholas Fuentes or one of the other just outright like guys is that Ben Shapiro has internalized the message that racism is bad, but he doesn't really understand what racism is he sort of sees it or he chooses not to he sort of sees it as this reflexive self-defining thing where he sees it as well racism is bad so when i say that you know oh quote unquote black people in inner cities are this way or that way i'm not being racist because racism is bad and i'm not being bad i'm just saying like you know, oh, it's the culture. Don't ask, you know, and then you, of course, try and tease out. You go, okay, well, let's say there is a bad culture, theoretically. Can what does that I throw from? out? Like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's like, I, I, like, I want to throw is, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Sorry, weird take, said. just like something that I was kind of thinking of, just like going through trying for the will stuff is um, I feel like uh, this is like a thing I always like to say I'm 60% confident in. It's just like sometimes I like to try on ideas and I think there can sure, be sure. really large holes in this. Disco Elysium. I, I, I want to buy that game. I, I'm completely spoiler free. I have no clue what genre oh, game it it's is. Real uh, good. It's real good. Yeah. This doesn't give, there's a mechanic about trying on ideas. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, so like, um, uh, I think there's like a thing with like, Nazisms were Nazis. Like they were explicitly hateful. Yeah. And now we know Nazis are bad. And so Nazis are always running away from nazism and like it's kind of a smart ass phrase i like to call is like woke nazis um i think you see it on the um this is racism in a different way than nazism but the uh, anti-crt uh the anti-critical race theory uh efforts you go to the websites of some of these organizers and they're using like woke language as a way to justify uh censorship of uh black authors of saying like yeah. you know like we believe in an equitable something something society and i think similar with um i don't know if it was that way back then and we just masked it and we don't really have that context because like there were high end nazis who had uh jewish mistresses for yeah. example and they were not gay nazis they were very high ranking gay nazis but at the same time like you i would look at trump rallies and I would see them add um, front and center black people to be, you know, this organization that was this uh, ideology that was 80 percent white, uh, I think 80 plus percent white. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, they would add black people front and center in the rallies in the background so that they can't be perceived as racist. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of political power there, like that these people are just terrified of being accused of being a bigot and i don't know like um i mean seeing i can't remember the previous nazi film they made the uh, big documentary the um eternal jew i think am i crazy does that sound like it uh that's actually my rapper name oh cool yeah uh it, 
Uh, but like that one, they would have like literal hook nose. Yeah. Like, uh, and like, um, do the thing with like, they have like a scene of like bankers and then they impose it with like this the poor thing. Yeah, exactly. By the way, uh, uh, if you're listening at home, uh, Andrew did like the little shaking the, like, uh, what, what would you call my that? Gesture? My, uh, ringing yeah. my palms. So that John's, editor- John's screen cap me and he's spreading it around all over <laughs> that, uh, editorial cartoon you might see go around or that meme of like the Jewish person with a ridiculously large nose that would come out of 4chan. Uh, and who's like shaking their hands like that out of greed that comes from 1990. I don't know if you knew that, um, who, uh, the artist was an anti-Semite person who would, uh, get his stuff published in like, um, uh, racist zines. And, uh, he was actually a peer of, um, the guy who created, um, uh, vice magazine, Gavin McGinnis. Uh, oh yeah. Well that's, yeah. I mean, sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, McGinnis, I went everywhere I mean, with that. Yeah. No. Well, that's like the thing that, that I think now to get into, I know this is a, a topic you've covered before and we, we won't, we won't die because this would be no. a whole nother rabbit hole. But one thing I, I think that people need to understand, cause you'll, you'll see something where um, people will get annoyed at someone like Anthony Jeselnik for let's say, and I don't think this term necessarily needs to be used as negatively as it is, but for occasionally just tweeting what some people might call virtue signaling. And the thing is, yeah, yeah. If you're Anthony Jeselnik, I do think you kind of have a responsibility to occasionally virtue signal so everyone can be like, oh, okay, that's who you really are. I feel fine. And, you know, if someone doesn't, still doesn't enjoy him, that's fine. But you're like, okay, I feel fine and more confident knowing this is a character you're doing and that we're both on the same side about this. Right. Versus, and the problem is you have to do that now because you have people like Gavin McGinnis or Owen Benjamin who are just like, no, I'm a not, I'm racist. No, the the bit is I'm telling these jokes, but the perspective is because I'm this is funny to me because I'm a legitimate racist. Like I am. Yeah. Speaking of stuff, you're clipping now. He's clipping this audio and he's putting it with the uh, with me? the hand. Yeah, I was sorry. I was doing. I was saying you were clipping me saying that and then putting it along with the screen cap of me. Oh, oh, oh I'm together. sorry. I like right when uh, you said that I double clicked on the screen to expand it. And um, I thought that you were reacting to that. I thought I clicked. Oh, no, no, no. You were double clicking the screen of me rubbing my hands together. Like the Jewish merchant. (laughs) Um, No, that is the thing. So it's like, it's like, and I, and I do think so. And this might be, I don't know, a little spicy or whatever, but I, Oh, Oh, we could really get into a thing. Maybe we will. Why not? We're really going everywhere with this. So the interesting thing about, the Trump, like, oh, here are, um, you know, some black people sitting here, which I do think, and this is not supposed to be like a vindication, but it's something people should be aware of and fit into their thinking. Um, I, I think he underperformed with non-white voters vis-a-vis Bush, but overperformed vis-a-vis Romney. And people should factor that into their thinking. That's not to say, aha, so that means Trump is less racist than Romney. Like, that's not right. what I'm saying. But that is something people should try to fit into their uh, framework and account for rather than just sort of having these simplistic things. I think part of the, aha, well, I have a black friend, as much as people goof on that, Mm -hmm. there was this sort of early prototypical approach to um, being anti-racist, which essentially consisted of listen to what 
the affected person. Like, you want to know something's racist? Listen to what someone from that group thinks of it. Right. And I think, of course, someone who is of a group affected by something is going to have insights that are very valuable, that should be taken into account, and that should indeed be given increased consideration. But at some point, I do think there are people who get into this oversimplified thing where they just don't want to do their own thought work about it. And where I think it kind of becomes this thing where they just don't want to get yelled at by certain people. And so they sort of defer to. uh, I I want to take that uh, because like you have to get yelled at by somebody. Um, Yeah. uh, One of my favorite books ever I, I used to work at goodwill and so like every book would come through us and the most ridiculous title i ever saw for a book is a uh, why do all the black kids sit together in the cafeteria like which is a question you ask if you grew up in a segregated high school that, or uh, yeah i could see i don't know anything about the book i could see that actually being a good book depending it's who an, wrote it and for what context it's an incredible book the okay, woman who yeah. wrote it is uh beverly uh excuse me speech impediment Beverly uh, Daniel Tatum, Mm -hmm. and she is um, a a black woman, uh, but also she's a developmental psychologist as I I might be out in the weeds in science. And the whole like driving force of the book is we have developmental modes of psychology, right? Like you got your poops. I don't know. You know, like that Freud crap, like you got like when you're a kid, your oral fixation, your anal fixation. Yeah. Yeah, Your parents, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we first become aware of race when we're two years old and we become aware of every identity marker. It happens all at once. It happens all at once. You're suddenly just one day you're sitting there and then it's like, zoom, and you look around. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, like she gives different models uh, of race and she uses that as a way to talk about um, a lot of things. She's just like one of those good academic books where just like she makes a trip to her grocery store with her son into a thing that has affected me the rest of my life. Well, like I teach kids. So like, it's yeah, how yeah. I talk to kids now for the rest of my life, just cause she's smarter than me. Um, but she argues a contrarian point that, um, you know, she ends one chapter where somebody like raises their hand and goes like, you know, you're talking about black spaces. Well, are you for white spaces? And then she goes, it's like, yes, I'm for white spaces. And her center of her entire argument is that there is a white identity. And um, this is my more, this is more of my words than her words, but the white identity is uh, anti-racism or just opposing racism, which I think, I guess, uh, like the positive example would be, you're saying like, yeah, yeah, the positive space. Well, I mean, yes, you, we all navigate, even though like we're the default, uh, I mean, me more so as like a, 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 sure, a, sure, a, a sure. goyim. Uh, um, wait, is that the right one or the other? Goy, one? yeah, know. a goy. Yeah. Goy, goyim is plural, but yeah. Uh, uh, as a goy, um, like we all go through life, and we do have. De- we develop our race as we go on because it's a social construct. Yeah. And if you're not aware of that, if you're not like uh conscious of that i think that leads to people like that white guilty thing of like listen to black people and then usually to me it means listening to the most annoying person on twitter which is not having a thing and that means you're not reconciling your own race and comparing to other people it's just like for me it's a dodge yeah yeah i i feel like for me it's just like um you're gonna have to disappoint one person and you're gonna have to be comfortable with yourself disappointing that one person it means having a strong central racial identity uh that's like a big thing i kind of i think uh at the center of a lot of the crap i write i mean i don't know um 
uh, yeah, I don't know. Ever since I was a kid, I don't know. I think just race is a framing that, I mean, I grew up in Miami, so I grew up as a white, I grew up with like the non-marginalized culture, but also a minority, the non-marginalized person in a dominantly, like my high school was 2% white people. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So like, I think it just is, uh, I don't know. I think just race is just an important thing to have an imagination for. And I, I, mean, um, I think I it's, think, it's yeah. the thing is, I think it's that people get so the, the issue is, I think a lot of people who can't, who either, who do, I think there's sort of these two on either side traps that people sometimes fall into. One is the version where you're just, you're just, um, outsourcing all of your thinking about issues to yeah. a different person too often, as you said, the loudest person of color you found on Twitter, who you feel good. And which is not to say that, that they aren't right. They can't, someone can be loud on Twitter and right. But also if someone is just uncritically accepting something, but then the, on the other hand, you have the person who can't think about, or analyze these things without becoming deeply personally, yeah, feeling deeply personally targeted, right? Which is sort of the op those two ends. The one person who's like, I'm totally differential. It's bad that I'm white. You know, uh, I submit myself to whatever you say. I just hope to make up for it. You know, the people who I'm sure 90% of them are sock puppets, but are like, I would never yeah. marry another white person and add another white baby to the world. And then on the other hand, the people who are like, who just can't get past the fact that, yes, there are race is a social construct, but that means it exists. And there are things, I mean, the, the, the example I was sort of thinking, because the thing I was sort of thinking of, which is a very personal thing, whatever, is I, I swore off of Facebook arguments like over a year ago, and it's one of the best yeah. decisions I ever made. I deleted Facebook. It's not, oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I sort of got into this one. I'm not going to be specific about it, but there was, um, I don't know, and I don't know exactly, but when uh, Lindsay Ellis said she was like leaving the air now or whatever. Right, right. And um, this person in this group was like, these people were like, in this group that is, you know, not, I would say more than nominally, that's like very. Are they uh, comics? No, they're not. Okay. Comics. It was a group for a podcast. I don't think the pod, the weird thing about online groups, mm -hmm. particularly online groups for podcasts is they so often end up taking on a character and life of their own in a way that I think the hosts of whatever the podcast is would often, um, not like i mean that's not even necessarily a thing but so i'm not going to say which group or whatever but it was it's a, it's a group for a podcast i like and i don't think this reflects on any of them right. but like they posted the thing about hellas and everyone like except for a few people was saying like good how dare she whine about this how dare she whatever like she should have apologized yeah. she should have this and that and like for those who don't know, you can look up stuff about this, about the most recent tweet and about her leaving. I'm not going to go through the whole saga, but you know, with that, the, the Raya, the last dragon tweet, I think we actually tweeted about this to each other. We were communicating about this, but like, yeah, someone said, I said, I was like, you know, it kind of bothers me that people are like here, consider themselves so progressive and so caring. And yet 
they they are unwilling to say, hey, look, maybe this person had enough. Maybe someone doesn't need to be the 10,000th person to say, actually, I think that riot tweet wasn't so good. Right. Maybe they can see a bunch of people already said that and said, you know what? That's probably rough for the person. And I said to some, I was like, I kind of want to ask some of the people specifically like, cause, cause the thing that was frustrating is like, yes, were some people upset about it? You know, some white people, some East Asian people, there were lots of East Asian people who were like, I don't think that tweet, it's fine to compare Raya, the last dragon and the last airbender and say that they have similarities. That's not some, you know, thing you can't do. And this person was just like, well, you should listen to the people, you know, the voices who were talking about it. It's like, but some of them were fine with it. And I can look up yeah. at some point it becomes this reductive thing where I can look up the cast of Raya, the last dragon. And because it's a fix, it takes place in a fictional kingdom. It's not a real place. And you look up the cast and there are Chinese actors and Vietnamese actors and Laotian actors and like Korean actors and Taiwanese actors. And at, and it's, it's kind of, it's actually, in fact, a very diverse cast. And it's wild to be like, well, you should listen to the voice of Asian people on this. Right. And there's something very weird where it circles back around from being supposedly the progressive way to be, to be like, actually, everyone on the most populous continent on the world speaks with one voice about Lindsay Ellis's Raya the Last Dragon tweet. And you should just yeah. listen to what they're saying instead of coming up with your own opinion on it. And again, look, people should have disproportionate weight given to their consideration based off personal experience and their lived experiences. Absolutely. Cause that's the thing I'm not saying. So don't listen to that. I'm just saying a lot of people have oversimplified it to like, don't know if something is uh racist, then just ask a black person. It's like, well, then right. you can't really object when Trump is like, Hey, my black friend diamond and silk say I'm that's not racist. Cause the that's the same reverse idea. Yeah. Exactly. It's like you, you it's just like, and also people like, I don't know, sometimes people have a tough time accepting that like, maybe they genuinely, uh, they genuinely feel that way. You know, you have to accept that it is possible that, and it is true that there are people who uh, feel like I saw someone say, you know, this isn't to, to hold it against him because he was a wonderful and caring man, but people are politically in certain ways. Like I saw someone say during Trump's presidency, they were like, and this is circling back around to the topic at hand a bit, but during Trump's presidency, they were like, oh my God, I feel so bad for Holocaust survivors seeing someone like Trump becoming president. Right. And it's like, I mean, you know, a lot of them are Republican <laughs> voting older Jews yeah. who voted for him. And like, and you have to be able to factor that even if, even if, it's just to say these people aren't perfect, right? They're human beings who might feel ways about things. And you can't just defer your moral judgment to these people or to anyone. And obviously you should listen more, but like I joke about it, but it's true. My uh, great uncle, my grandfather's brother said that, uh, has said that both my grandmother and Barack Obama are worse than Hitler. And like- right. I, I think that's wrong. 
but he's the only one of the both of us who lived under him. So what am I supposed to say? Right. Like, right. Sure. You know, under Hitler, your entire family, other than your brother was killed and you were both forced into camps and you had to escape before a camp was liquidated. And then you were captured and put into another camp where you were worked half to death until that camp was liberated. Uh, and under Obama, you continued to have, you know, a successful business and multiple properties and went on trips and lived your life free and wealthy in the United States in Brooklyn. Um, but I, Hey, I don't have the lived experience. What am I supposed to say? Like clearly, you know, clearly he's, he experienced both and he thought one was worse than the other. What am I supposed to, you know, or maybe sometimes people can be wrong, even if they yeah. are otherwise, well, he, we don't have to get into this. I don't think he'll listen to the podcast. He's, no. there's a whole lot of he's family dead. stuff. No, my grandfather passed. My grandfather's uncle is still alive, although family-wise, uh, there is. If the if the part where I mentioned that he said my grandmother was worse than Hitler might tip you off, there's been uh, long-time family schisms there. Yes. Um, but, uh, you know, at the time the Triumph of the Will came out, they were still kids in Poland. Um, the... Uh, This is so back to the tangent that this jumped off from those wacky Nazis. It says, of course, the later post-war publicizing of the Holocaust eventually proved that, yes, Nazis really were dangerous. But Triumph of the Will still stands a display about how disproportionately egotistical the right was. And it is like funny, right, that like this again, I don't know when this was written, but it definitely feels very end of history the way they write right. about it, where they go like, and then everyone realized the Nazis were bad. And, you know, and we went on, uh, Ted, and then um, the, uh, there's trivia for this also. Executive meddling, averted. This is one of my pet peeves that TV Tropes does, where they use terms like averted, so they get to huh. put in a trope that didn't happen, so they can be like, you uh. know, like they'll have a trope that'll be like, you know, the aliens are little green men trope averted. The aliens are tall gray monkeys, right? Like they just are like, so it says this is at the top. There's uh, uh tabs say like analysis, film, laconic trivia, your mileage may vary. Oh, I didn't know that. I've been looking at this thing for years. Yeah. It's very weird. It's not very clear. I only found that out mid one of my first episode recordings on this. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, your so mileage may vary. Uh, yeah, so it says uh, um, averted. Adolf Hitler gave Lenny Riefenstahl carte blanche to make the film how she wanted. Joseph Goebbels was not happy about this, and various senior Nazi officials complained that the movie didn't have any propaganda. Hitler overruled them. It's a little weird to have like a, a good guy Hitler anecdote here <laughs> or whatever. Be like, look, say what you want about the guy. He cared about artistic expression, right? He was he got rejected from art school. He always held that with him. Um, this I'm is, trying to think of more. Oh, sorry. Uh, There's. I was just uh, trying to think of more. Oh, you go. I'm sorry about that. No, I just. This is. You can say because I. I'm clicking the your mileage may vary tab, and there's some interesting ones here. YMMB up top. Uh, another thing about um something I would love to know more about is um, if, I mean, there was an ascendant Nazi party in America. Um, I really tried to get information on it. And I think maybe I just wasn't looking at the right resources, but I think something interesting in America is, um, 
German was the second most spoken language in America up until World War One, and then we stopped. Why would we stop? Makes no yeah. sense. Well, because people, of one... right? They were trying to. Do... Oh yeah, yeah. yeah no, I mean, yeah. that is wild, right? That you you almost you could you could sort of see someone like a surprisingly historically knowledgeable reactionary who yeah. would, who would make a not entirely incorrect point but probably to completely incorrect ends to sort mm. of say like wow it's a real shame that like you know uh that we now understand or i guess part of the country understands that you know um it's important to separate a person from the geopolitical tensions of their country of origin mm-hmm. whereas like um and you know i i i don't know to what extent i guess i could ask cuz like my wife's Russian like she was born here but her parents came from the Soviet Union and you know one of the big things and there was so much overreach and conspiracy theorizing and like exaggeration of the quote-unquote Russiagate stuff like there was legitimate stuff that got sweeped over but then there was also like you know people tweeting like Steve Bannon is going to be executed but with uh, right. whatever and like crazy stuff I, I don't I, I don't know that there was really but there was sort of this undercurrent that was like you know, oh, this is going to lead to so much anti-Russian sentiment of people in America. And I don't know if part of it's that already, I think a lot of, at least from personal experience, is probably way over shooting. Like a lot of, from what I've seen, um, previous generation Russian immigrants who came over from the Soviet Union, I have not seen the polling on this, but anecdotally tend to be more right-wing and reactive from what right. I've seen, which, you know, is understandable in some ways. Uh, if someone was, um, there's, it's understandable. There's, I like to say that my father-in-law and I, uh, when I, we were living in Chicago, we both hated Rahm Emanuel for exact opposite reasons. Right. Both, which was like very funny. Cause like, um, and now he's the ambassador of Japan covering up, uh, they'll be covering up, um, Murders in Japan. Murders in Japan. That'd be fun. That'd be the. That's the newest anime you have to come someone, catch up with. Like, someone suggested something online on Twitter, which I don't think is entirely true, but um, uh, Biden was originally floating Rahm Emanuel for some like Secretary of Something Something position. It was like, and was it transit or late? Mm, I don't yeah, remember. Sure. Well, I think it might have been like whatever Pete Buttigieg did. And I think he made everybody mad at Rom so that way he could put Mayor Pete there and people would be less upset of like, oh, at least it's not Rom, which is kind of nice. I like that. I mean, at least um, it's not Rom. I mean, he's the ambassador of Japan. Yeah. I kind of am bummed about that because you're like, that's got to be such a cool. Jo- I mean, I know it's because, th- look, I'm not innocent of a mild. I, fetishization i think would be too strong a word but like you know there's whatever there's a certain um i i i don't i'm not like uh one of those uh filthy weebs who like takes their enjoyment right. of anime to then somehow think that means they're an expert on japan or something which is wild yeah. when you see people like that um but like yeah, you know, I'd love to go. I like uh, 
at least the local interpretations of the cuisine, the, right. uh, you know, the, um, media products that have made their way over here. I'm trying to be very, uh, anime. talk. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to talk like, cause people are like, Oh, I love Japanese. I love anime, which I'm sure like in Japan, I, I don't know, but I would not be surprised to find out in Japan that perhaps the majority of people have no interest in anime, much like in no, America. The majority you know? of people don't. It's like people being into comics in America, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, in, in um, Japan, the majority of people all watch uh, TV shows where people have to bonk themselves in the crotch while seven commentators talk over them. Uh, <laughs> that's, as we all know, that's the uh, so, culturally sensitive take. Something, on. I mean, like, I think my entryway for Japan is like most like white people um, is anime. Uh, I like wrestling a lot and I like their films. I think they make good films, but something I've been clued on recently is oh, yeah. the, um, Japanese film. Do, you, do you remember the uh, 90s gas subway attacks? They put Nerv- Yeah, the Anno and Shiryuk and, and uh, uh, Shinrikyo, as Shinryu- I understand yeah, it. It's Um uh, Shinrikyo. Um, like, Shinryu- um, Sorry, like I was getting that confused with yeah. my brain. My brain was mixing up because Hideki Anno, the creator of Evangelion, was inspired for parts of it from the subway attacks. And my brain was just putting on. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. Like I did an ask Reddit thread about it and like I try or ask history thread about it. And uh, like, it got a lot of upvotes and like nobody was able to answer it. Cause like that subreddit waits for experts to chime in. But um, uh, how did you find out about it? Oh, it might have been from reading about stuff connected to Evangelion because it happened yeah. during the production and they altered some stuff because of it. That I and I, I understand I, there's like plot lines in Cowboy Bebop that are affected yeah. by it. Like they um but it's such a we have fundamentalism in America. We have cults in America. Um uh we have terrorism in America. Yeah. And yet none of them dovetailed in that same way that the, uh, this cult did. And I think it's just really interesting, the politics of it. Like they would do uh, what was called green mail, which is they would go up to a small village. They had tens of thousands of people, uh, which is just hard to wrap your mind around, especially for Japan's not a small country, but it's not, uh, uh, it's, we have, it's just a different number. 10,000 cult is large. Um, but they would go to like small towns and threaten to set up shop in the town unless they paid a blackmail amount. Like that's just, yeah. Well, that's we don't happened have now. We have some stuff like that with Scientology and with, um, yeah, it was, if I don't know if you saw, there's a Netflix documentary called wild country. That was about people the, have talked um, to me about that when I've been talking to people about this incessantly, um, yeah. I should check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I kind of, um, yeah, it's, uh, it is it is interesting how different countries end up developing their own very specific sorts of reaction. I mean, you're now seeing with some of the Q stuff, weirdly it popping up in many different countries in slightly right. altered forms. Um, I I think that uh, I think the part of the weird thing though, right, is that some of it is is not that far off from some of the bad habits we've talked about earlier that you try and sort of, when you get, you get really 
far too absorbed into these kind of um, narrative notions of the world separate from your own specific sphere and you start to try and you know you you start thinking about like you start you thinking things less in terms of what you can specifically do and of course i don't mean that oh you should you know not like the jordan peterson like oh you should clean your room instead of joining a organization to unionize your work but whatever you know yeah yeah but people get very disconnected and I'm absolutely guilty of it, of something like, you know, I, I was saying to someone earlier today that when I like the year I spent with my Facebook sword, getting into Facebook political arguments accomplishes less than when I submit to a comedy festival and PayPal is like, you want to donate a dollar to yellow hammer fund? And I'm like, yeah, I'll donate a dollar to yellow yeah. hammer fund. Like that, that does more. And it's, it's, I think it's, um, you know, I've been having anxiety recently. I think so much, a lot of it is just these ways that um, we evolve to be very adaptive to our environments, but I think right. we're not very good. I think there was a time when you needed to pay attention to everything, right? If you were in the Savannah yeah. or wherever, you had like, you have to pay attention to everything if you want to survive. And it's very difficult to sort of turn that back and go, no, 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 no. You need to actually ignore a lot of things now if you want right. to be able to live your life, which is. And it feels like, I mean, if you look at the design of a timeline, you feel like you're missing out if you're not watching. Um, yeah, which is, I mean, it's, yeah. it is wild that, that someone was pointing it out in these terms. I forget what podcast or something I was listening to. And when you put it as frankly as they did, where they're like, we're spending all our times with machines that were designed to find and present to us the most insane collection of words it can right. as developed by algorithm and collective approval. And it's like, when you put in those terms, you're like, yeah, that's like, that sounds literally like some sort of neo-technological Lovecraftian horror, but that's what we like submit ourselves to. And I, and I, 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 I don't know. It's wild that like, that people, I don't know, people just, I think there's something so valuable about remembering that we, we sort of, um, the way that humans managed to survive for as long as we did was almost always by being able to focus on things at hand relevant to us. And we've sort of been tricked into thinking that all this other stuff is part of that and right. is in front of you the same way that the tiger or the you know uh, river <laughs> is in front of you. And I think... I think it's just been driving me insane and I need to calm down and talk about the triumph of the will. <laughs> no, we're, uh, we, we, we could, we could sort of start wrapping up. So we got the, your mileage may vary page. And then if you don't mind, we'll do a quick trope quiz where we'll go through. Oh a yeah. yeah, yeah. One second. Um, I hope, I don't know. Sometimes. Go... Oh, sorry about that. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I think I clicked away on the uh, thing and uh, yeah. Uh, sorry. I was going back to the triumph of the will. Uh, You're saying, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, people, I think people just, um, I hope people enjoy this episode. It's, it's, yeah, hey, look, this is uh, the TV Nopes guarantee. Is it, is it going to be a joke a minute? Not necessarily, but will you learn something? Maybe. Will you enjoy it? I hope so. Uh, the, will, will you hear me rant about Twitter? Yes. That's the guarantee. Um, <laughs> the, uh, what is this? Ho yay. Not just the frolicking shirt tr- stormtrooper. Oh, is this okay? I think this is saying homosexuality. Yay. Oh. I, I recognize that jargon from, um, Oh, homoeroticism. Yay. Uh, uh, I used it to go on television like, without, Yeah. I used to go on television without pity, the website. And that was like a big kind of, they made a t-shirt out of that, you know? Uh, It feels uh, almost uh, too easy to to point out homoeroticism in something like Triumph of the Will. I mean, what is this? It says, uh, oh, Seinfeld is unfunny, I guess, because it's supposed to be the first one. It's very weird that this trope is called. So it says like that it has, it's an example of the Seinfeld is unfunny trope supposedly because um, it says, uh, you know, it was one of the first movies to do these things. And so um, that, that trope is like contrarian, contrarian stuff like saying Hamlet is not good. Seinfeld's not funny, I think. I clicked Is on that, it earlier. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I'm confused because I don't quite under... Is it? It's saying it wasn't older overdone when they did it. But this is sort of supposing that Seinfeld was good and now it's not. But I think Seinfeld's still good. Seinfeld is still better than a lot of shows. I mean, we recently watched a whole... We did like the whole watch through. In some ways, it almost has aged better than a lot of its contemporaries. It's I it's actually fascinating because it doesn't fall into a lot of the tropes that aged really poorly of a lot of other mm. sitcoms of the time. Um it doesn't I was it doesn't have much, you know, dated racial humor, but it also doesn't have many non-white Race. people. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> uh the, and the, the times it does, it has um I mean, the like the one the one episode off the top of my head that has much of a racial. Well, there's a there's a couple now that I think about it. There's the one where Elaine is dating a guy who like says he's from South Africa and has sort of like distinct features, and she assumes that he's uh black, like albino black or half black or something. Right, right, right. And he makes comments about them being in an interracial couple. And it turns out that he thought she was Hispanic because her last name is Bennis. That's funny. Yeah. And so yeah. like there's that and there's the one where, um, oh, there's the one that actually is the Jerry is like the butt of the joke, but that he um, wants to date this Native American woman and he's making these very, uh, you know, outdated and shitty Native American jokes in front of her without knowing and then he finds out and then he tries to be better and then the joke is that he keeps more or less accidentally falling into this um, right and that one like the butt of the joke like you like you watch it and you're like all right these jokes you were making is, are stupid and he should have known he shouldn't have done that um 
And then the one that I do think is very funny where uh, George, I forget if it's his boss. I think it's, he says his boss looks like Sugar Ray Leonard. And yeah. his boss is like, well, you're obviously just saying that because I'm black. And he tries to show up to dinner with a black friend to also right. like tell his boss that he thinks that he looks like that. So he can prove that he's not racist, which like the few that there are aged pretty well, I think. And then the one that get the one that strikes me as very interesting. It's one of the most common, unfortunately, uh, <clears throat> outdated tropes is even up through the two thousands is like trans panic jokes. Right. Um, but Seinfeld, the, the one of the most interesting things to me about Seinfeld is the man hands episode which right. through a modern lens, it feels almost impossible not to try and find some angle on what on them, like saying something or implying this person's trans, but I really think they're not like, it kind of feels like this just didn't occur to them, which someone could say is, you know, it, it I'm not going to put words in anyone's mouth. And if someone's upset with that episode, that's, Right. Totally valid. And I could totally see that. But it does really feel like the thought doesn't even occur to them. Like he's like upset. And it's it's very interesting to see it through that lens because he's just like, she has man hands. And they right. cut to her hands and they're man hands. But they never once make some kind of crack, like, well, did you check to see if she has an Adam's apple? Like there's like zero implication that this person is like trans. It's like very much just like. No, this is a cis woman who happens to have the hands, the typical hands of a cis man. And we we don't even understand where you would get something else. Um, right. Which is, which, like I said, it's kind of fascinating because I can't imagine watching that episode today and not being like, what are they doing? What are they trying to get at here? Um, all right. I'm going to, unless you have anything else to say. Oh, no. this also, it says values dissonance. This film is a pro-Nazi propaganda piece that extols the virtues of the most infamous dictatorship in history. Even back then, Americans who viewed it had a whole different reaction than the Germans who intended to indoctrinate. Again, some of the Americans, some of the Americans watched it and were like, this is great. These guys, yeah. awesome. Looks like we got buddies in Europe. Like, um, obviously, when World War II occurred, uh, people felt differently, but there was, uh, there was some um pro sentiment okay what do you uh i'm going to tell you just a few tr random tropes and you try and guess what they are does that sound good and then we'll do plugs absolutely we'll all right first one is mage in manhattan it's i'm gonna guess a magician like uh some sort of supernatural element much like the movie uh enchanted ends up in uh new york city and they are a fish out of water story you got it. Got it. A hundred percent out of the bat. Yes. Um, interestingly enough, not the sorcerer's apprentice. I don't think would count, even though that is an actual major Manhattan. He is, uh, that is a universe where magic just exists and they live in our world, not where they, um, uh, where they fell through a portal or whatever. Um, okay. Uh, well, actually, wait, what is this one? Uh, okay. What about the testes test? Is that like, uh, is that some trans panic type stuff or no, I can see how you would, uh, 
jump to that because we were just talking about that. It's um, that's also that's a it says not to be confused with um the crotch grab sex check check right, which is um which is that trope. So not to be confused with that. This one is uh when something happens to a person, and then they uh check if everything's all right. Oh, so okay. this is like the example they use is Dr. Evil saying, ow, guys, way to go, a-hole. Like, try and find my balls, for God's sake. One, two, three. Okay, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, the joke being that, um, oh, this one, Jewish and nerdy. I didn't know they had my number. I think we know. Oh, I think I could figure out that one. You probably figured that one out. Uh, oh, I got to watch Black Lagoon. Benny from Black Lagoon is Jewish and a computer geek. Wow. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's close it out with too many of these are too obvious. Uh, what about no such thing as HR? I mean, what is that? I feel I, I, ah, shoot. I couldn't guess. I'm sorry. Are you sure? I think it's this. You might might be more straightforward than you think. Uh, like you work at a bad company, and they're just like, "I'm going to take you this to HR," and they're like, "There's no such thing as HR in this company." More or, or less, the alternative, it's, it's like, is don't trust HR. Well, this one, it's like you know, in TV shows, people do goofy stuff in the uh, in the office, and no one. Um, oh. No one does anything about it, which I'm sure it might say, if you look at live action television, I wonder if it says the office subverted Tony from HR constantly tries to stop Michael from pulling his stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what it says. Uh, anyway, this has been, I don't know if this is the longest TV notes episode. Yeah, I'm not sure. These ones are a little short, but that's okay. Um, let's, uh, let's finish up. Let's do some plugs. Yes. Um, I got, I got three to plug if that's fine with you Absolutely. at home. Um, uh, I'm on Twitter at America's comic. I mostly do jokes and then every now and then cranky political rants. Um, uh, I have a YouTube channel that does mostly essays and sketches, uh, themed around, uh, death and media. Uh, my next video I'm coming out hopefully next month on the, uh, capital insurrection, the zip tie guy and how mass media shapes, uh, terrorist attacks, which is why I was reading about the, uh, uh, Japanese terrorist attacks. And um, also if you're in New York and want a tour, look up on Airbnb. Uh, the I'm a tour guide. Uh, my tour Brooklyn bridge with yelling is I give the history of the Brooklyn bridge and tell the story of why New York builds really, 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 really big things. I think that's good. Ooh. Three things. Yeah. It's the best tour in New York city. Highest rated on TripAdvisor in nice. some metric. Yeah. Check that out. Go take a tour. Yeah. It's outside. Right. So even if people were worried, I mean, the yeah. Omicron wave here is starting is uh, it's been, Going yeah, plateau. down now, but yeah, yeah, but uh, and it, plus it's outside. You get some good New York pizza, and uh, yeah, I'm Andrew Taven, and uh, you know, Andrew Taven, A N D R E W T A V I N on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, uh, andrewtaven.com. I got a list of um, the shows I'll be doing. There haven't been any in the last month or so because you know, sort of bunkering, bunkering down a little just till this. Kind of way past every time but, i try to get back into comedy a new variant shows up it's fucking yeah, annoying. i know it's, i got hopefully i'm fine because i actually got it in the beginning of january 
And oh, been, congratulations. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How do you get, that's a new thing in comedians and be like, well, how do you get that? Who, who, how do you get, Hey, he got it. How do you get it? Anyway. Um, also I've got another podcast house of house, which John is also going to be on. We have yet to record that one. We're going to record it tomorrow. So look out for that. Um, and I co-host that with Lenny Burnham. I've also got the audio sketch show sound snacks coming out soon. So that's very exciting. I cover with Casey Turgeson and, uh, my one man brought, Oh, I've got a show at, uh, QED on February 27th called, Ooh. are you smarter than a comedian? Which is a standup show. And after the comedian set, they face off against the audience an audience member in trivia. So that's exciting. And, uh, then my one man variety show will also be a QED a little late, a month or so later, called that's so taven and that is a one-man variety show with uh characters stand up a walking tour of new orleans uh multiple game shows great time come on out check it out all right sounds good thank you thank, thank you for you letting so me much. on i appreciate yeah, it thank you i hope you have a good it. one and right. uh i hope hear from tv nopes i forget what i say for this one so i'm just using my house of house sign off uh from the house of tv nopes have yourself Sounds good.